Well, good morning, Northridge. So good to be back with you. If we haven't met, my name is Steve Carter, and I'm just so thrilled to be wrapping up the final kind of installment of the summer series. Next weekend, we kick off a brand new series, and it's just simply called The Way. And Pastor Pete's going to be back, and he's going to be kicking off this three-week series. He and I are going to be tag-teaming, and we called it The Way because... You might not know this, but the first church, they weren't known as like First Church of Jerusalem. The first church was known as the way. They were people of the way, people of the way of Jesus. And it wasn't just by how they acted, which was important, but it was more about how they interacted, how they engaged how they were connected. And this is going to be a three-week series that's going to just launch us into the fall. And so come back next week ready. Pete's got an amazing, amazing message. But I was thinking, I was thinking that I I love the state of Michigan. I lived here for a number of years. And what's unique about Michigan is that you all really haven't started school yet. Like you guys, you guys soak up the best three months of the year for as long as possible. My kids in Phoenix have already been in school for almost two weeks now. And, and I, I was just thinking, this is the last installment of the summer series. I know for some of you, for some of you here, um, you work in the schools. Maybe you're a bus driver. Uh, maybe you work in administration. Maybe you're a guidance counselor. Maybe you're a coach. Maybe you're a principal. Maybe you're a teacher. Uh, maybe you're actually homeschooling this year. Maybe you work in a college university or a preschool or, or elementary school. But I'm going to ask you, if you work, serve, volunteer in a local school or college, would you mind just standing? Wow. Look at this. Okay. I want you... I want you to stay standing for a second. Stay standing for a second. Um, and, and I just want to acknowledge a couple things. Number one, you are grossly underpaid. I'm just saying that right now, okay? Carter 2020 will change that. <laughs> but two, two, what I want to say is this. Um, I know that for many of us, we might long that there would be more prayer in schools. Okay? I, I, I hear that all the time. But here's what I'm going to challenge you, Northridge. Every one of us, no matter what city or neighborhood we live in, has the potential when we pass by a school on our drive to work, on our drive to church, on our drive to the grocery store, or a walk to the gym, or walk to our neighboring park, we pass by local schools. And I'm going to challenge every one of you here that this school year, you would pray a simple breath prayer. Simple breath prayer. And this is the simple prayer that you would pray for and over. It's like for blank and over blank. And this is what I'm wanting you to do. I'm wanting you to pray for your local school. Pray for your local teachers. Pray for protection. I'm asking you to pray over the campus. I'm praying, asking that you pray that there'd be no bullying in those schools. That you would give wisdom to the teachers and administration. That these students would be developed. That you, if you just could, not just pass by a school, but that you could pray for these. I mean, look how many people. And every one of the services I've done this. And there have been hundreds of teachers 
in this church. And I think we could rally around them and pray for them. And this is what I'd love to do right now. I'd love for us just to take a moment and to pray for and over these leaders in our local community. And so if someone's next to you, you can put a hand out or put a hand on them. Don't put your hand like this. That's just weird. Okay. We don't do that. Just, just a hand out. And, and I, I just would love to say a prayer because what you do matters. You are calling out the best the divine, the goodness in our students and preparing them to be the leaders of both today and tomorrow. Can I get an amen? And so let's just take a moment to pray and then we'll jump into the message. You can extend a hand out to a teacher nearby or a leader nearby. God, thank you for the leaders that are in this room. Thank you that you have given them the gifts to stand in a classroom, to create an environment on a team, on a field, on a court, in a bus, that administration or leadership gifts or, or, or just the hospitality gifts just to serve. And it's not easy. And it's not always paid well. And sometimes they get email after email after email from the same few parents. But God, I'm asking you that you would direct their steps. You say that you ordain the steps of the righteous. Here's some righteous people, God. I pray that you'd ordain their steps, ordain their words, and you would give them strength and that they would know that their church is behind them. Bless them. Keep them. Be gracious to them. Shine your face upon them and grant them peace. In a world that there is scary moments, God, I pray for protection over our local schools, and I pray that these students would be empowered to be the sons and daughters that you have created them to be, God. We love you and we trust you and all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you so much for that. Well, I'm just gonna jump right in and I don't know about you, maybe this summer you've had an experience where you've just stayed too long. Have you had one of those moments? Maybe you were out by the lake, maybe outside, and you just stayed too long in the sun. Didn't put the suntan lotion on, and all of a sudden, what ends up happening? You just get a little burned. I don't know if any of you are football fans, but Antonio Brown, wide receiver for the Oakland Raiders, formerly for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he has been working on a new kind of therapy to kind of work on his joints and his bones. It's called cryogenics, where you enter into this like tube and it just pumps negative 200 degree Fahrenheit to negative 300 degree Fahrenheit water and air into your body to try and heal your joints. And he stayed too long. And this is what happened to his feet. Don't you just want to peel it off? He got frostbite on his feet. I mean, we're talking multi-million dollar contract. Stayed too long. I know Michigan in the summers is the place to be, and I'm sure you've got some relatives who live a few states away where it's more human, and bigger bugs, and they call you and they say, man, we're going to be in town for just one day. Is it okay if we stay? And somehow one day just turned into almost two weeks. And you're like thinking to your spouse, your family, or your friend, or your sister has stayed too long. When your friend shows up in a Cousin Eddie RV, they stayed too long. Maybe for some of you here, you, uh, you've just been at the same, same job. Same job. 
And that's beautiful. That's beautiful. But maybe for some of you, you've been at the same job and they don't see the gifts that God's given to you. They don't appreciate what you uniquely bring to the company. And they've just sort of kind of pushed you to the side. They don't respect your voice. They don't hear your ideas. And you've got a little bit of Milton from office space. And they're just handing you, as long as you keep that red stapler, you're going to stay. And maybe for some of you, you've just stayed too long. What's amazing is that the Hebrew people spent 430 years in slavery. Their whole identity was made and found in the bricks that they made. And God rescues them and redeems them. And he's telling them, I'm going to take you to the promised land, a land that is overflowing with milk and honey, a land where you will be free to be fully you. And the amazing thing is when you read the, the Bible, when you read the book of Deuteronomy, you begin to discover that the Hebrew people go on this journey and this journey that they go from, on from Egypt to the promised land. We know that it takes 40 years. I'm going to get my John Madden telestrator out and I'm going to just show you what this looks like. They just come here and this looks pretty nice. This looks like a, a pretty nice, but I'm going to tell you when you really study it, it's a lot more messy and they're just kind of moving around. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oftentimes when we're preaching and teaching, we like to tell people about the summit being on top of the mountain top. And we all want to be there. It's like where we feel closer to heaven. We can experience all that God has. And some of us, we've experienced the valley. You know, the valley of the shadow of death. And we're like, how do I get out of the valley? And these are two spots that we often spend more time teaching and preaching on. But can I tell you the most dangerous place? The most dangerous place, in my opinion, for Western Christians is the plateau. It's right in the middle. It's those places that we've stayed too long and we're comfortable and we're safe and we've got it all figured out. And what we begin to discover in the book of Deuteronomy is even though the Hebrew people are on this journey, the scriptures say in Deuteronomy 1 verse 6 that God tells the Hebrew people, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. And what we know is that for almost one year, the Hebrew people even though they're really, really close from entering the promised land, 1.5 million to 2 million of them have stayed too long at this mountain. And they've just set up shop. They know where the water is. They know where to go to when there's disputes and struggle. They know where to find food. And almost all 2 million of them for almost a year have just stayed Put, and God speaks to them and says, you have overstayed. You have overstayed. And I just want to tell you that I think some of you have stayed too long at the mountain. Some of you in your story, there is an area, there is a struggle, there is some addiction, there's some pain, there's some place where you have just stayed. And I believe that the Spirit of God wants to speak to some of you today and tell you, you stayed too long. And I got something for you, but you're just going to require you to trust me. I need you to name what I like to refer to as the overs, the overs. And this is what you got to look at, the overs. The first over is this. 
Where have you possibly overstayed? Overstayed. And maybe again, it's in a relationship. Maybe there's some people in your life that aren't helping you become everything that God has called you to be. And I'm not saying just abandon them. No, no, no. But I think there might be some people in your story that are holding you back. Or maybe for some of you, it is a role and job. And maybe God's given you a vision of what he wants for you, but you have chosen because it's comfortable and it's safe to not take the risk and you have overstayed. Maybe for some of you, it's your overworking. You come home and they're not paying you when you're at home. And you're sitting around the table and you're eating with your kids, but your phone is up and it's dinging and it's vibrating and you're just answering texts and trying to engage in conversations. And maybe, maybe it's not just your spouse saying you are overworking and you've stayed too long at this mountain. Maybe God's going to speak to some of you today. Maybe for some of you, it's overspending. You once lived your life and you live within your means. And you didn't feel like a, a slave to, to, to some credit card company. You didn't feel stressed out. But somehow, maybe in the last season, the last couple of years, something has triggered you and you're just, I'll get it later. I'll get it later. I'll get it later. And all of a sudden, it's racking up debt. And you feel it. And maybe God's going to speak to you today and say, you stayed too long at that mountain. No more. No more. Maybe for some of you, you're overcommitted. You say yes to everything. But the things God's asking you to do, you're not doing because you're keeping everybody else happy. Or maybe for some of you, you're over-distracted. You're constantly just like looking for the next thing. It's hard for you to be present. It's hard for you to be focused. You're constantly thinking, okay, well, what's happening on, on social media? The fear of missing out. You're just constantly just jumping from one thing to the next. Maybe for some of you, it's overeating. And somehow you have trained yourself when sadness or when pain or when something isn't going right, instead of turning to God, you just have this unhealthy relational attachment to food. At 10 p.m., you're looking to get nurtured by food. And maybe God's just going to say, you stay too long at this mountain. You stay too long at this mountain. Maybe for some of you, you're over-revved. And some of you are sitting there going, is he going to go through every over-word? I might. I might. We got all afternoon. But some of us, it's over-revved, right? We're like Mach 3. We just can't seem to like exhale can't seem to find peace. We're just always amped. Or maybe for some of you, it's, it's more about overreacting. Someone has a thought. Someone has an idea that's different from yours. Someone gets too close to a pain point, And instead of hearing it and getting curious, you overreact. And people are dancing around your chaos. They're not telling you the truth because they're afraid of you overreacting. And I'm telling you, maybe today God's going to say, you've stayed too long at that mountain. Or maybe for some of you, you're just overwhelmed. You know what overwhelmed is, right? It just means you have not enough resources, 
Not enough time with too much pressure. That is a cocktail that will destroy you from the inside out. And some of you are just going through and you're looking at the fall and you're looking at all your kids' sports and you're looking at everything that's on the schedule and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And you're overwhelmed. These are some of the overs. I also think there's another side, what I call the leftovers. The leftovers. I had a German Shepherd when I was a kid. The dog's name was Boo. It was named after Bo Jackson and Bo Schembechler. And, and I, I, I loved this dog. And this dog would just come sit beside me when we were eating steak, and he just knew. He just knew. I'm going to get some scraps. I'm going to get some scraps. And we'd just drop a few. He'd eat it. He's so happy. And I began to really think, I think some of us are living off the leftovers of what God has taught us decades ago. And I think some of us, maybe God's going to say, you haven't spent time with me. And you're living off of somebody else's leftovers. And maybe God's going to say, you have spent too long at that mountain. I want you and me to get back in relationship together. Maybe for some of you, the leftovers is how you view your time or your generosity. I know, I know. I used to work in the restaurant industry and people would just hand a little tip. And I was like, that's nice, that's kind. I think sometimes that's how we view tithing. We don't look at a budget. We don't see how much God has given to us. And so the baskets come by and we're like, okay, here's $2. Good with you, God. And sometimes we give God the scraps. Sometimes we give God the lift leftovers. Sometimes we do that with our time. And I think God might be speaking to some of us where, where, where have you stayed too long? Where have you stayed too long? And, and I love Northridge Church because you aren't just people who come here just to receive. You come here to be challenged. You come here to open up God's word. You come here expectant believing that when God's word is taught, that somehow something's going to get within and you are going to have the opportunity to make a change. And none of us can make that change for you. That is like self-leadership. That's you saying, no, no, no. I, I recognize somewhere emotionally, somewhere spiritually, somewhere financially, somewhere professionally, somewhere in my life physically, I might have stayed too long, but I'm here to tell you, God, through his word, through his spirit, can help you, can help you take the next best right step. Look what the scripture says in Deuteronomy 1, 6, and 7. You have stayed long enough at this mountain, and look what it says, turn. I love it. Because again, they're so close to the land of promise. They're so close to the land that's overflowing with milk and honey. They're so close to where God wants to take them, but their focus is right here. Our focus is just being safe and comfortable in the mountain. And I love what God does. God says, turn. See the vision. See where I'm taking you. Get your head up from the plateau. I want you to see where I am going to take you. Now, this word turn, Greek, which the New Testament is written in, is like more science. I can tell you what a word means, like it's tense, and, and I can basically break down that word to like what it meant. Hebrew is more mysterious. It's more artsy. Greek science and math 
Hebrew, it's just beautiful. And so this idea of turn has its roots in the most beautiful word, teshuva. Teshuva. And this is where we get the idea for repentance. Now, many of us in the Western world, we don't like the word repent. Because when we think about repent, we think about a guy with a sign and a bullhorn who's standing outside screaming, turn or burn. And I remember when we moved from Southern California to Grand Rapids after my sophomore year of college, I didn't know anybody in Grand Rapids. I was going to go to GRCC, Grand Rapids Community College. I, I found myself smitten with the mitten, and we moved to Grand Rapids. And I'm there, and I don't know anybody, and I'm walking into class my first day of school. I'm, I park my car, I'm walking, and I see a guy with a bullhorn and a large sign, and he's screaming, verbally assaulting people. And I, I'm a film guy. I was studying film. And I watched this guy verbally assault this 18, 19 year old girl and she just broke down crying. And he was heaping shame upon shame upon shame. And something happened within me where I was like, that is not okay. And I, I did something I'm not totally proud of, sort of, but not totally. I ran up to that guy and I grabbed his sign and I took it and I threw it and I stood on a table and I said, I want you to understand what God is like. And I started to preach and I began to preach. And all of a sudden, GRCC's campus police, I heard, Woo, boo. and they like, they're walking and I'm like, good, man, you're going to arrest this guy for like doing some bad stuff and like shaming girls. That's not okay. And I'm just going, I'm going, but I see they're walking closer and closer to me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. And then they bring me down off the table, off my stage. And they say, um, we are writing you up for inciting a riot. And I was like, that is the coolest thing anybody's ever told me. I'm going to add that to my LinkedIn account someday. Now like, you do this again and you will be expelled from school. I was like, whoa. And, and what I realized though, was something happened where a word that was so beautiful, that had such deep meaning to turn and return back home into the presence of God, to see a better vision for what your life can be, had been hijacked. And this is what God does to the people. He goes, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn. Let me show you where I want to take you. Let me show you what I have in store for you. Can you see it? Can you see where I want to take you? Can you see where I want to take your marriage? Can you see where I want to take you professionally? Can I see where I want to take you spiritually, emotionally? financially? Can you see where I want to take you physically? Can you see, can you have a vision or is your eyes and heart and mind fixated right here? Because if it's that you will stay plateaued, your marriage, your business, every part of you will stay plateaued and vision leaks friends. And God constantly is trying to get our attention to teshuva, to return, to turn our attention back to what God wants to cultivate in and through us. But I love it. I love it because God doesn't just stop here. And when you read the book of Deuteronomy, I challenge you to read it. It's really a collection of Moses' greatest hits, the greatest, greatest sermons. 
And you'll see a word used over and over and over again, and it's the word remember. Remember. And he's trying to help the people remember what God's done. Remember who God is. Remember what God's inviting you into. Remember, remember, remember. But here's the thing, here's the thing, friends. We're so good at remembering the things we ought to forget and forgetting the things we ought to remember. You ever think about this? I mean, I remember my past. I remember the mountain. I remember the things I messed up, and I'm so good at forgetting what God wants to do in and through me. And when we remember the wrong things, we stay stuck in wrong living. But when we remember the right things, we step into right living. And this is what God longs for us. But it doesn't just stop there. Go back to Deuteronomy. He says, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and set your journey. What I love about this is God just says, hey, I'm going to give you the vision, but I'm actually going to trust you to set the journey. I'm going to show you where I want to take you, but I want you to have some ownership in this. I want you to begin to figure out where is the next best right step. And then there's power in this. And I, I meet a number of, of Christ followers, sincere Christ followers, and they know their why. They know what they're supposed to do, but the growing struggle for so many of us is how. How do I do it? How do I leave the mountain that I've stayed too long? How do I actually take steps in the right direction to become who God wants me to be? And what I'm going to do for some of you is going to feel so basic. Maybe for some of you, you've never done this, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this idea will resonate and you'll begin to put it into practice. You've got to set your journey because that's what the scripture says. And this is how you can do it. Number one, you set the plan. You set the plan. If there's an area in your life that you need to grow in, you got to set the plan. Number two, you got to share the plan. This isn't just between you and God. If this is where accountability actually works. And if you're, if you're connected with other volunteers, connected in a small group, man, share this. Man, I don't want to stay here anymore. I want to be the best version of who God made me to be. And I feel like God's calling me in this season to work on this area of my life. Will you help me? And here's my plan. Number three, you got to name the pain points. You got to name the pain points because if there has been seasons, years, or decades where you have chosen to stay at this mountain, all of you is going to want to go back to that mountain. And there's going to be moments that you're breaking free and yet it's going to be like, no, 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 you're hungry at 10 PM and you're going to need someone to remind you, no, 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 remember your plan, remember the vision. You're going to want to get up early to spend time with God. You're going to need somebody who's going to check in with you. You're like, it's too early to wake up. And you're going to need someone. And you're going to be honest about those pain points. I don't know if I have it within me to get up early to read God's word. And when you name that pain point, someone who's wiser in this area of their life might say, well, why don't you try to go to bed sooner? Well, I could do that. But I don't want to. Why don't you want to? Don't you want to spend time with God? 
I'm going to hang up the phone right now because you, you're asking me really good questions. But when you start to name those pain points and share those pain points, you get the chance for growth. Now, here's the thing. So many of us, when we think about a plan, we think about the rest of our lives. Most New Year's resolutions just end within 10 days because people feel the pressure to have to be the end result on day four. It's not going to happen. And what I want to remind you is where the Hebrew people are, when you study the book of Deuteronomy, you recognize they're only 40 days away from the promised land. It takes them 70, but they're only 40 days. And the reason it takes them 70 is because when Moses dies, they spend 30 days just grieving and mourning and they don't go anywhere. So it really takes 40 days, six weeks. And what I've begun to do is in six weeks, how can I live intentional and set a plan? Maybe it's not where I fully want to be for the rest of my life, but in these 40 days, how do I get after it and become the person God wants me to become? And after 40 days, I calibrate. I calibrate what worked, what was difficult, what didn't work. What do I need to increase? What do I need to decrease? And after 40 days, when I can see that there's progress, I celebrate. I celebrate. And truth be told, most Christians, when they do a plan, they don't celebrate. There's not enough joy. And somehow they just lose energy and they go back to the mountain instead of becoming who God wants them to be. Lastly, this can't be ethereal. This can't be just some ideas. You need to get crystal clear and you need to put it in ink. Sometimes we throw out these ideas and we just put it in pencil so we can erase it off of our schedule. We can erase it so that nobody sees it. But when you put it in ink, you're making a declaration to say, in these next 40 days, I'm going to step into this. I'll give you a couple of examples for what this looks like. Some of you know that I played college basketball. Cal State Fullerton, um, play's not the right word. Um, I sat the bench, but I did get free shoes. Now, what's amazing is when you play college sports, you are in the gym for at least 90, hour, 90 like minutes working out. And then you're in the basketball gym, and you're practicing for three hours, four and a half hours, six days a week, and we're not paid. And literally, you're busting it. And you've got people telling you what you can eat, what you can put in your body. Well, then you get done with sports and nobody's there to tell you, you shouldn't eat that. Nobody's there to say, I wouldn't do that. Nobody's telling you and screaming at you to get in the gym or to work harder. It's just all on you. And so what I did was I drank a whole bunch of Dr. Pepper and I ate in and out for like every meal possible. And I, Super fit became not so much. And then all of a sudden, I felt like one day God said, you stayed too long at this mountain. Turn, set your journey. And I started to have to like go, okay. And for the first 40 days, I wasn't in the gym. You know what I was trying to do? Detox off of Dr. Pepper and sugar. And at the end of 40 days, I calibrated, celebrated, and then began to work. I went slow with it because I wanted it to be long-lasting. I talk about for my marriage. There were seasons where we had great date nights. 
And then we went through a season where we didn't have many date nights. And so we declared, we stayed too long at this mountain, and we said, we're going to do date night every week. And at the end of 40 days, we did four out of the six weeks. We calibrated and said, okay, we're going to try a date night every other week. And little by little, what did God foster? More intimacy, more connection. I'm telling you, for some of you, it's God's word. For some of you, it's some spiritual practice like fasting or prayer. But when you give yourself a goal, 40 days, and you begin to allow that to work, all, and you put it in ink, you put it in your schedule, God has the time and the space to move. And many of us are afraid of structure, but let me just tell you, structure breeds freedom. And when you put it in ink, you're saying, God, I'm trusting you and I'm surrendering this time. Do what only you can do. And watch who you become. Watch who you become. I love what the scripture then goes on to say. It says, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn to Shuva, see the vision and set your journey. And lastly, and go and go. Once you got the plan, now, once you've got the vision, once you've said, I'm overstaying at this mountain, now it's up to you to go for it. And if you're like me, it is easier to make excuses to go backwards than sometimes take the brave step in courage to become who God wants you to be. I love what Andy Minio says. He just says, make moves or make excuses. It's going to be one or the other. You're either going to move daily into who God wants you to be, or you're going to make excuses and go backwards. And I'm just trying to be as crystal clear and challenge you. I don't think you have arrived. And I think that there's areas in every one of our stories where we are plateauing. And I don't want that for you. I think it would be pastoral malpractice if I was like, you're doing so good, buddy. You're like plateaued. Just stay plat, stay at the mountain. I want your marriages to flourish. I want you to live within your means. I want you to wake up with a joy that comes from the spirit of God. I want you to go deep with Jesus. I want you to live connected with other people. I want you to not stay at the mountain. I want you to have the fresh vision of God for your life. I want you to set your journey and I want you to have the guts, the grit to go for it. I have this quote in my office. And you know it's going to be a Michigan reference. And it literally says this, attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. When I see that word go, I'm like, I'm not just going to like, I guess I'll try. I guess I'll do it. No, I want to attack it with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I go, God, like I want you to do your best stuff within me. Do what you want to do. I'm going to get after it. And I'm trusting that you are going to bless it. Now, here's the thing. I know some of you might be sitting here going, Steve, this feels a lot like works. You're like, you're asking me to do some work? Yeah, I am. And let me just tell you what I believe about grace. And this comes from Dallas Willard, one of the greatest Christian thought leaders in the last hundred years. And Dallas is this, that grace is opposed to earning. I can't earn grace. There's nothing that I can do that makes me worthy of the free gift of grace that God has so kindly bestowed upon us through the son, his son's death and burial and resurrection. Nothing I could do that can earn it. But Dallas Wheeler does say grace is never opposed to effort. 
There is a difference between earning and effort. And you see this in the marketplace. You see this on, on the court. You see this in life. I can't earn my identity. I know who I am. I know whose I am because of grace. And because of that grace, I will not stay at that mountain. I will become everything that grace wants me to be. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not stay put, stay stuck, and stay at a plateau. And when we as a church awaken to that, and we go after the vision that God has for us, and we step into the unknown, you know what happens? You need more of God. And you know what happens? Your fears come to the surface. And you know what happens? You pray more. And you know what happens? You share more. And you know what happens? You're more vulnerable. And you know what happens? The Spirit's able to cultivate the best kind of fruit in and through you. Can you imagine, Northridge, can you imagine if all of us stood up and said, no longer will I stay stuck? No longer will I stay at that mountain because I have seen the vision. I have seen where God has taken me. I have seen what God wants to do in through me. And you know what? I'm going to put it down in paper and I'm going to put it in ink and I'm going to name it. I'm going to claim it. I'm going to share it. I'm going to become it. And I'm going to watch what God does. Now, I'm just going to be really clear with you. Last night, I'm having dinner at a restaurant. I'm leaving the restaurant, and there I see one of my like spiritual heroes, Harvey Carey, and he's just in there, and Harvey sees me. I see him. He bear hugs me, and some of the Harvey Carey like pixie dust like rubs on me, and I'm like, let's go. I'm ready to preach now, and we're in like we're in Bahama Breeze, and we're just preaching, and, I, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, I am passionate about this because you know what? When you get around people who said, no more, I'm over it. I'm no longer staying put. You know what happens? The spirit of God rushes in and they become an overcomer. And that is who Northridge Church is. We're not people who stay at the mountain. We are people who have experienced the vision. We've experienced the beauty of repentance. We've experienced more of God. And yes, we will do hard things because we know God is with us and for us. Can I get an amen? Where have you stayed too long? Where is God inviting you to turn, to see a better story, to see a better vision, to turn a chapter and become who he needs you to become for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of the world and for the sake of the family and for the sake of you. And I know maybe some of you here today, the mountain, the mountain is that you've just been in control of your story. You didn't need God. And somehow you're here. Maybe a family member brought you. For some apparent reason, you're here and you're like, oh, can I just tell you real quick? The beauty of turning is that you can always come home. The grace is that you can always come home. 
And you might set your journey and go, oh man, I'm gonna try and earn this. I'm gonna do it really, really good. And then, then Jesus will accept me. I'm here to tell you, no, 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 no. When you turn, all you need to do is set your heart to say, I'm over being in control and I'm trusting you. And I'm telling you all of heaven, all of grace, because of what Jesus did on the cross for you will come rushing in and he will be with you and for you as you step more and more and more into who he intended you to be. And if you're in this place, and we're going to have people down front who'd love to pray for you, or you can even just get on your phone if you don't want to talk to someone, or maybe you want to kind of have a conversation later this week, you just get out your phone. You can just text Northridge to 313131. This matters to us. We don't want people to stay stuck in their faith or in their story. We want to help you get connected, get plugged in, and take the next best right step. And I believe if we all do that, this will be the kind of fall that makes the Detroit area take notice. And we will wake some people up to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand for closing prayer. And I just want to say a prayer over you. And again, next week, Pastor Pete will be back, kick off the series the way. But hear this prayer as I send you out. My brothers and sisters, may the Lord, may the Lord speak to you of where there might be an area that is flourishing and thriving and where there might be an area that is just dry and plateaued. May you be humble. May you surrender. As William Booth says, the, the greatness of a, a woman and a man's power is the measure of their surrender. May you give us a spirit of surrender to wave a white flag and say, God, give me a new vision. Give my friends a new vision. Give them the courage to set the journey and give them that chutzpah, that passion to go for it. To God be the glory, to Christ be the glory, and may you use this church in mighty and powerful ways. We love you, God, and all God's people said, amen. Grace and peace. See you soon. Tell Tim.